I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Jay Boogie, Dubtronic Science, Ohm Records, and you are listening to Rebel Radio. Yeah, fuck you, Josh. <laughs> what's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host, Josh Levine. This week, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of Ohm Records with a dope conversation with my man, Jay Boogie. Check out Jay Boogie's remix of Body Language Started Up on the Ohm Records 25th anniversary compilation. Uh, For those of you that don't know Jay Boogie, he's a dope producer, DJ, remixer, club promoter, radio show host, very busy man, uh, highly prolific, part, long time part of the, the Bay Area underground music scene. He's also currently the music curator at the fitness tech company Hydro, and um, he was previously the head of hip-hop and R&B programming at Pandora. And we, we get into some interesting stuff about the pros and cons of crossing genres as a creator and what that means in the context of trying to create a cohesive brand. I think he's got a really interesting perspective on that. And we also talk about, because of his background in the tech business, just what music and tech people can learn from each other. And I think there's, there's a lot there. So excited to get into it with you right now. How did you get started and who was who was mentoring you hmm. when you were first coming up? Well, I moved to San Francisco in 1991 and started school at USF and they had a radio station there. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that time, there was a gentleman by the name of Billy Jam who was on the air and he kind of took me under his wing as an engineer for his program. Mm-hmm. And this was 91. I was a hip hop fan, but I was also into like punk rock. I was just a skate skate kid you know and um and i knew about hip-hop but definitely not as much as as i i should have at that time moving not as much as billy i'm sure he was so cool and he knew so much about the music yeah and he didn't front like a white guy in the hip-hop industry Mm -hmm. and he was himself most most importantly and here i am i'm 17 years old and i'm meeting Cypress Hill, E-40, Sugar T, um, you know, he would bring all these people into the studio right. and I knew who they were just on record, but, you know, he brings in Funk Dubious, you know, and then he, you know, he's bringing in all these other uh, artists by the studio and I'm meeting them or smoking blunts with them or hanging out and hearing their records or they're giving me records just because I'm the engineer mm-hmm. and I soaked up his energy at KUSF. So that was really kind of where I got started. And unfortunately he was 
removed from the air for for playing obscenities. Um, oh wow! Eventually, and uh, you know his his model was Billy Jam. I don't give a damn, and he really didn't. Like he mm-hmm. didn't care about FCC rules. <laughs> and mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't care about stereotypes and what people thought. He just did his thing, which to me was very respectable. Yeah. Um, however, he broke the rules, and I, I think that KUSF at the time said, you know. These are the rules you can't break. These, sure. This is what keeps us on air. So of course. they gave him the boot. But I, I, I came in and I said, "Look, KUSF cannot not have a hip hop radio show. Mm-hmm. Um, if we sign the forms and promise to follow your um, your policy regarding explicit content, would you consider having another show on the air?" And I brought in my DJ crew that I was working with at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they were amenable to it. So then we started Beat Sauce in about 93, 92, 93. Yeah. And then we were on the air from 93 to like 2007 or 8 wow. um, every Sunday. So we were mm-hmm. on there for a long time carrying on that tradition of um, independent hip-hop radio mm-hmm. that Billy had started. And having guests come in and supporting local talent and supporting independent talent. And this was at a time when hip hop was not on the radio, you know. Sure. Yeah. Aside, aside from like the wake up show or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I mean, that's so interesting. And I, you know, I think one of the things about your career, so you know, you had this show that ran for a really long time, more longer than most artists' careers, right? Yeah. And uh, you've had a relationship with Ohm for a really long time again longer than most people even have careers um yeah what what is it about you that allows for that type of longevity what do you what do you do to stay 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 connected to to it in that way yeah well i think it's two of the most important things any artist or person from then Mm -hmm. or now could could do and i kind of followed in Billy's footsteps and I really just tried to be myself Mm -hmm. um you know if you're true to yourself and what you do it shows and comes out as authenticity um if I were to jump on the next bandwagon and and try to create um whatever the hot new trend is you know um all of a sudden I'm going to be like oh well I'm this Brazilian trap god Mm -hmm. you know and I'm going to make Brazilian trap beats um that that shows that you're not authentic and i think people see through that and when you're chasing a short-term trend versus being a long-term artist um you lose yourself and then you get swept up under the kind of the next trend that pops up right however um because i'm so obsessed with new music and music is such a part of my life um i get into brazilian trap beats and (laughs) chill brazilian trap stuff and i'm aware of artists like um you know what sango's doing i'm a cheater a mistreater a deceiver you must not know me on my way to hell and i don't even care i just blow i i don't know how to pronounce it because it's it's gotta be in uh in Brazilian, but I call it dick vapors, but I don't think it's dick vapors, but it's like <laughs> DK, DCK, VRPZ. Okay. Um, and, you know, Vur, Vur is another artist that I'm super into right now, V H O O R. But they're all these like Brazilian teenage kids making trap beats, chill yeah. trap, you know, chill Brazilian trap, baile mm-hmm. chill, baile funk, um, baile funk, if you will. And it's on its second round. So I remember when Mad Decent. And Diplo uh, was on the first Baile Funk wave. That's right. Baile Funk first hit, and they were doing remixes. And now here it is, you know, 2021, and there's a new wave of Baile Funk mixed with R&B, more chilled out vibes and trap. And, you know, um, people like Joe K from Selection are supporting that kind of music, and I'm up on it, and I get into it. It doesn't mean that I'm going to go try to sound like that, mm-hmm. but if I'm aware of it, of if I'm aware of the trend, and I incorporate the vibe or energy into what I do somewhat and borrow from ideas and concepts, then you can 
stay current and relevant to what's happening today instead of holding on to who you were in 95. If I just made music or beats or tried to DJ like I did in 95, 97, um, you wouldn't be relevant. And pe people would just be like, oh, he's that old classic DJ dude. And sure. and you, you lose your relevancy. So yeah. staying true to yourself, but also staying aware of what's popping, you know, yeah. and what's hot. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Okay, let me let me take a step back uh, before yeah. that, and I know I know you got you, you talked about getting to San Francisco in '91, um, but go back to the very beginning. Do you remember the first record you ever bought for yourself? Well, like vinyl record, any um, any, any piece of music that I bought myself with my own money. Yeah, yeah. I I think it might have been Herbie Hancock's Rocket. Or, like, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what year that was, but I think the break-in soundtrack or like mm -hmm. a, mm -hmm. or um, one of the, one of the breakdance movies that was hot, like came out with a Paul Hardcastle song called 19 that yeah. I was really into. I think um, that was break -in. It was, yeah. So, so it was like, yeah. it was either break-in or rocket. It was that era where electro and breakdance music was crossing into the mainstream. So you had um, Herbie Hancock's Rocket, and you had the Breakin' soundtrack, and mm -hmm. you know Nucleus and Jam on it, and all that kind of um, electro right. music was super Planet hot. Rock. Like, yeah, Planet Rock, all those yeah. classics. So I think. I think that was one of my first ones but three feet high and rising mm. might have been my like first adult like post-puberty purchase <laughs> <laughs> i don't know okay. i don't know yeah yeah uh yeah that's a good one i'm one that's, of those that's a great uh yeah. that's a great place to start a musical journey for sure yeah um so it's interesting you talk about you know um the idea of kind of not getting lost in the past, which I think is, it's difficult for DJs. We both have lots of friends who are, you know, incredible DJs, but you know, their selection and I think their interest stops at a certain year. Right. And I think, yeah. you know, for the average consumer, average listener, their interest stops, you know, there's studies that show like around 26, your musical taste yeah. gets frozen, right? And mm -hmm. you know, it's that 14 to 26 when you're really like discovering and in it with music and then people move on with other things in their lives and they, they stick with that. And so um, how do, so it doesn't sound like that's a uh, tactic for you. It sounds like that's just a natural <laughs> thing that you're, yeah. that you stay interested in new music. Um, totally, man. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. There's, I remember when I was working at Pandora, I was doing this study because there was a lot of scientists there and a lot of people doing really heavy research on music listening habits and how right. music listening, um, you know, affects you psychologically and how you respond. And yeah, it was like people get stuck in their high school years, whatever you, your favorite art, artist was in high school or at a certain age. Yeah, you really connected that with your magic moments, and then that was your defining music kind of era. Sure, and that's why, like, you know, '90s hip hop was so big at, at a certain time because right. people who grew up in that period and now, and then it was the 2000s and 2000s hip hop had its comeback mm -hmm. because everybody just got older, and that was when they were in high school, and now it's like it's slowly becoming like that stuff that was popular in the 2010s um is is coming back and becoming popular with the next generation that are old enough to be in the clubs or whatever yeah. and and they're they're connected to that certain era of music but yeah i think that's for the average listener and it's important to note that there's a lot of different ways and types of people that listen to music there's people that just want to hear their favorite songs and nothing else mm -hmm. there's people that only want to discover brand new music and really don't care about the past and then there's people that are really interested in consuming music all the time but they have a musical history and a repertoire and a connection to stuff mm 
And I think those people naturally become DJs or producers or, right. or find themselves in the industry because they, they look at music historically, but also pay attention to what's happening currently. So, yeah, I want to dig into that a little bit, because uh, mm -hmm. obviously you have a lot of you're deep in that in that world of understanding, you know, different types of listeners and um, but but I'm curious when you're when your uh, your crate, so to speak, is as big as yours, right? That you cross multiple genres, multiple generations um, of music, and you're still continuing to discover new music, like. That makes the process of selecting, I think, really difficult. Yeah, it does. <laughs> right? Because, you know, yeah. if you're a classic rock DJ and you play, you know, rock bands between 1968 <laughs> and 1978, whatever, right? Yeah. That job's not that hard. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're talking about a really long time period and, and especially now when there's new music, you know, left and right. Um, mm -hmm. on, a, on a daily basis, right? So how yeah. do you do that? How do you sort through all that? It's the most challenging part of kind of doing what I do. And I think that um, you have to continually check yourself to not be, A, all over the road, unless mm -hmm. that's what it calls for. Because, you know, yeah, my, my musical interests are a little ADD. Like I'll tell you, I'll tell you about, Bailey, chill Bailey funk, but also totally be into this um, modern funk boogie throwback that XL yeah. Middleton dropped. But I'm really into R&B and I love that new Gen Ico mm -hmm. um, release. And then, you know, uh, I'm into house music. Have you heard the new Mark Farina? And, and that's kind of what my I, I have a playlist called J Boogie Vibes that I that I have on Spotify, and that's kind of what it is. It's like that's my like here's my brain, bro. Look at it. This is my brain curated a little bit, but like, right? It's all over the place, and I think that more people are starting to listen to music that way, especially sure. the younger generation are super into the baby and like current hip hop hits, but they're also They'll also go see Toro et Moi play at a show, or they're also into, you know, rock music or punk or heavy metal or whatever. And I think that notion of being, oh, I'm just a hip hop person or I'm just a rock person is slowly fading away a little bit more, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I think you're right. And I think it's, um, you know, some of that is generational, right? Like, yeah, you know, we grew up, you know, I, I think like that era, you look at all the, ki you know, all the teen movies from our high school, you know, college You're about days to say kid and play, huh? <laughs> You're about to say kid and play. <laughs> well, I was going to say like, you know, th that there's always that theme of those movies. That's like the the nerds versus the cool kids oh, or yeah, the, yeah. the jocks. Like it was all about the separate cliques that happened. Yeah. And I think, you know, music played a big part of that. Right. So if you're like us and you grew up in hip hop, you you had this secret that no one else had, right? Because people didn't know yeah. about it. They were scared of it. Their parents wouldn't let them listen to it, whatever. There were these barriers. You couldn't hear it on the radio. So you had to go to the stores and find it. Or you had to, you know, you know, you, you had to come to my neighborhood in Fillmore and like yeah. survive that, right? And whatever. <laughs> um, but... Uh, so so and then you know the punk rock kids had their own thing and then at a certain point they're like hey we're both kind of rebels like we can click up together a little bit but they were against the heavy metal kids and you know there's all this yeah. there's all this separation and i think we live in a society now that is you know way more inclusive way more sort of uh uh understanding of of each of each other's differences right um and so i i think the music musical taste is kind of like a it flows from that um at the same time right absolutely man so at the same time is you know you've worked in radio you talked about you know uh your time at pandora and so you get the you know i, I think there's also a value to genre 
right? There's a value to saying, you know, we don't play this, we play that on on this station or at or at this club or in you know whatever right there's a there's value to um uh to the to the dj or the programmer who's like mm -hmm. can narrow his selection or to the listener who just wants to be entertained and not challenged with some you know uh some crazy left field thing that like unless unless that's what you're looking for right yeah. but chances are if you're throwing on a pandero station while you're driving or you know, or working out, that's not, maybe not what you're looking for. Absolutely. And I, you know, I couldn't agree more because, you know, that was as an artist and a DJ, that was my greatest asset being a Swiss army knife that could do anything like, Hey, I can rock a Bangra party for an Indian wedding and I can rock wow. a hip hop club and I can go DJ a reggae party down the street all in the yeah. same night. But, um, you know, if it's also your biggest weakness, because then if you do that all the time, nobody knows exactly what they're going to get. And you don't have a defined brand or like you said, genre. So if you book um, Mark Farina, again, using that example to play, you know, you're going to get some deep house. You know, if you book bass vector to DJ your party, you know, you're going to get some pretty aggressive like dubstep heavy, sure. whatever. Um, you know, those artists, they have a brand. If, if you're going to book, you know, shortcut for a party, I mean, he does all genres too. So maybe that's not the best example, but you know, you have a, a certain brand and sound you're expected to get. So if you're continually pushing the envelope and being um, all over the place, people aren't sure what they're going to get. Are we going to get hip hop J boogie? Or are we going to get house J boogie? Are we going to get reggae J boogie or left field J boogie and that um that puts kind of a limit on how far you can go in certain situations getting booked for shows getting uh, put on tours or or whatnot so so did um, you did, is that a real thing that you ran into like is is oh yeah absolutely you yourself hampered yeah by that? it's something yeah it's something like you know i would talk to a manager a potential manager or um you know um or booking agent and and it, and it would be well do you want to be a band or mm -hmm. do you want to be a dj mm -hmm. do you want to be a producer are you doing down tempo and chill out music or are you doing latin music or are you doing reggae because here's right. your album and it's got everything on it yeah. um so um you know when you're trying to sell something like a music personality or a, a brand or an energy I think especially that time in the 90s, 2000s, that era, um, it was easier to sell something that's packaged mm -hmm. in a little box and says, this is what you're going to get 100% mm -hmm. of the time. And this is what it's going to work. And this, you know, this is how people respond to it. And we have social numbers that we can put up against it and listeners and Polestar and blah, blah, blah. And you can, you can sell it easily. It's the business of music. Um, so, so you have to be aware of that because you can't just make music in a vacuum. Um, I mean, you can, but it, it's going to be harder to survive a long time if you don't think about it from a business standpoint. You know? Sure. Yeah. So how has that affected you? Have you, how do you adapt or, or have you, or do you just say, you know, <laughs> fuck it, I'm going to do my thing and, and it'll yeah. work out. I think I did both. I adapted at times and I adapted when I knew it would, help push my career a little mm -hmm. more um but staying true to myself being a diverse you know person and and even finding ways to do both where like okay i'll adapt and i will i'll i'll have this sound you know a j boogie sound but it can it can incorporate some latin elements and some mm -hmm. african elements and some reggae elements and some house and hip-hop without going so deep down one of those holes that you lose everybody. Right. So it's like, oh, a little touch of this Fela remix with uh, with a hip hop breakbeat over the top and a like a little common sample. Everybody can get into that, and it crosses. Mm -hmm. It's like three genres in one song, but it's not straight Afrobeat or straight hip hop or or whatever. So as a DJ and producer, you found little ways to kind of ride the wave and go here and go there, whatever, but not taking a big left turn and just be like, okay, I'm just going to play all straight cumbia music right now. And 
you don't like it, tough. <laughs> sure. This is a, a cumbia remix of a Biggie song that everybody knows. And right. people who are into cumbia are going to be like, oh, this is kind of fresh. And people who are into Biggie are like, this is different. This is unique. I'm not used to hearing it this way, but it satisfies both parties. Check it out. The conversations are heating up over on the stereo app. I've been doing a series called Trade Secrets where I chop it up with friends, uh, a lot of people who've been guests on this show. And we talk about, you know, what we're learning, what uh, what bits of career advice or wisdom we can offer people. And it's a uh, it's a social listening app. So you can join in. You can ask questions, make comments, be part of the conversation with us. I've had some really great ones. I've done quite a few with Clint Schaff from the LA Times. He heads up podcasts over there. We're talking about everything related to making content and building brands in the in the podcast space. Uh, last week, I, I talked to DJ Spider and DJ Hoppa, talking about how people are transitioning their DJing business in this pandemic. Um, Spider had a bunch of great insights into what's happening with NFTs. It's really fun conversations. Hope you would join us. Go to Stereo.com slash Rebel Radio Net. Download the app and uh, come see us. So one of the things I've always uh, appreciated about you is, you know, you have an impressive body of work, making music, clubs, parties, you know, radio shows, and you also have kept a day job uh, at the same time, and yeah. which um, you're going to have to teach us some time management skills um, that allow <laughs> you to do all that. But, but um, so you know, as we talked about, you you worked at Pandora. Um, mm-hmm. I think now you're working with Hydro, right? The rowing, that's the, correct. The home yeah. rower, um, which mm-hmm. is a amazing, beautiful machine um, that I, I see I see ads in my social feed for. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing with them curating music, yeah. but, uh, but I'm curious, first of all, just, you know, how does that change, you know, having an income source outside of music, how does that change your, your creative process or does it? Uh, it does, it, it did definitely. And it does. Um, I think it does for the better because when when you're a dj or a producer and you're relying on your music and art and performance for your sole income level Mm -hmm. and you live in a metropolitan area like san francisco or the bay area or los angeles or new york or even austin now Mm -hmm. um it's it's expensive the cost of living is, is expensive um you know new york and san francisco being top contenders and you know la and austin continually changing and every i think metropolitan area really changing yeah so if music is your only income and with the way streaming has changed the income level for artists for the less which is obvious you know Mm -hmm. um so you're you're no longer getting the income you would on physical sales um you can't survive in these cities and you have to say, okay, well, I'm either touring or merch. Um, and, you know, not everybody can do that full time or has the time, like you said, to, to mm-hmm. tour constantly and constantly invest in creating merch. Cause you have to invest in it, sell it, you know, right. distribution package, shipping, all the things that come along with, with merchandising. Yep. Um, not everybody has access to like they can, make a beat and throw it up on SoundCloud or Spotify or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. um, so with that being said, you have to find income at a different place unless you rely on your music. If you rely on your music, you have to think more business wise and you have to think about what is going to make me money Mm -hmm. when I'm creating. That's your sole purpose is like, I need to make money. What's going to make money. I'm going to make music and art for money. And everybody has opinions about that and how it works, but um, making music for money for me just didn't feel right. And then you overthink things and second guess yourself and you try to do all these different things and become somebody you're not just to make money. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have an outside income, 
you can make art and music for art's sake and for expressing yourself and put it out there and distribute it and do your best to market it and promote it. But like, you know, this is me, this is what I do. I'm going to put it out here. If it makes money, cool. If it doesn't, I have additional income and I don't have to second guess my art and what I'm doing in order to um, create something that's going to make money. Does that mean you don't ever try to make money? No, but sure. that's not the primary driver for your art. And then you have the freedom to, to just kind of meditate on what you're going to create. Mm-hmm. You no, know? mm-hmm. I'm sure that ma- when Mad Lib sits down to make a beat, like he doesn't think of, well, I'm going to make this beat and, and sell it to this for who and make money on this. And it's going to get in this wherever. Right. He just, that's what Mad Lib does. He makes beats and he makes art and he collaborates with people and he does what's inside himself. Mm-hmm. And he has a team to help him generate income in other ways. But I think, I think that's critical from an artist's perspective to be yourself. You know? I think it is. And, and I, you know, we like to think of that as a kind of modern thing. I was just reading an article the other uh-huh. day about Mo Austin who used to run Warner brothers um, uh-huh. in the seventies and in, uh, in the sixties, seventies. And, and they talked about, you know, he had this mantra. So he signed Jimi Hendrix. He signed Fleetwood Mac you know, he made uh, massive hits for that company, you know, with those guys. And um, they, but he, his mantra was like, let's make great music. Don't worry about hits. And he had to really, you know, fight that with his, his board and his bosses and his, you know, uh, sometimes his artists um and and really you know ingrain that into his his staff right and um this idea that like you know we have to we do you know we have to make stuff that we're proud of that we love um and not but but i think that's a it's a uh that takes work to not think about the outcome for mad lib to sit down and not and separate yeah. himself or, or for you to, you know, separate yourself mm-hmm. from, you know, what playlist is this going to get on or what, uh, right. Like it, yeah. it, I think that's only natural. Um, yeah, it is. So, and then, so, and then, you know, on that note, right. So you, at the same <laughs> time, you know, you're not working at UPS, you're working at, at cool places that are involved <laughs> in music. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And so what has that taught you? You know, you worked at Pandora, which is a tech company. Uh, Hydro, I imagine, is, you know, sees themselves as a tech company. Um, mm-hmm. What have you learned about the relationship between tech and music? And specifically, <laughs> I think the the people, you know, uh, it, we, it, you know, there's a lot of talk about San Francisco and how it's, you know, it's been overrun by tech people and that's changed the culture of the city, whatever, like, what, what have you learned about tech people versus music people? I think um, listening to, it's going to sound super corny, but just listening to each other a little bit so that they can learn each other's perspectives mm. is super critical, you know? Um, but there is also, it, it was great. The working environment at Pandora was fantastic because we had a, team of specialists genre specialists Mm -hmm. and there was a huge like team of scientists and engineers working on projects and they were really curious about our perspective and our our knowledge and our historical knowledge and really tapped into it and tried to gain perspective and it was a good example of like you know i could sit down and even just talking about operational nuts and bolts of things like okay well you know Puff Daddy is also known as P. Diddy, but he also has a group known as Puff Daddy and the family. But he also has this side project that's Puff Daddy and somebody. But they all kind of are the same artist, even though they're not on this project. So Mm -hmm. it sounds sounds like a mess, but like even little messy metadata problems that a scientist or an engineer might not think of. But... um, and and you as a dj might not even think of you know who that is if i said all those artist titles you know who that is sure but when when you need to have an artist profile page and a product and it needs to be connected to statistics 
for that artist mm -hmm. and it needs to be connected to songs and other musical information for that artist you need to be able to say p diddy is puff daddy in the family right. Right. and you need to be able to connect those things even though it's not but they are mm -hmm. um so that takes kind of a, a musical mind and an engineering mind to be able to meet and figure those things out um yeah, interesting. And, and like when you see an artist combination when two artists work and it's you know uh, somebody and you know it's mad lib and most deaf mm -hmm. well does that live on the mad lib page or the most right. deaf page or do you make a mad lib and most deaf page or does it live on both mm -hmm. or do you have all three and it's like finding out those sure. how to solve those problems and working with engineers them giving you options and then telling them like oh yeah that works for the mad lib listeners but not the most deaf listeners or how are we going to get that most deaf music to play with the black star station mm -hmm. and and cross with talib's station or how do these three interconnect but not connect because we all know that most deaf black star and talib quali are three independent artists but right. they're also connected so yeah. um you know you you have to think of things with an engineering mind and look at their perspectives but also be able to share mm. your musical perspectives mm. um where I think things become a problem and you probably hear more about because it's more dramatic is just that, um, you know, some, some tech people and just like some music people um, come with a privileged sense of sure. self and a closed mind about what, who they are, what they are, what they like. And um, those people in music tech or any other field kind of aren't you know they're it's not they're not pleasant to work with if right. if they're closed-minded and they have a privileged sense of self and they're the kind of this uh type a personality that can't collaborate or cooperate then it's sure. harder in the end to work with them so i think there's stereotypes about people in each industry that way and you and i both know that not everybody is like that of but, course yeah you know also, you can, you know, you could throw a rock and hit an asshole. So, you know, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love ways. that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, that's so interesting what you're talking about. And, and I, I, you know, I always think of our genre, like our, our uh, connection to genre is so, you know, so tied to the experience of, of record stores. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. at a certain point, right, the guy had to know where to stock the record in the mm -hmm. store and they weren't yeah. going to put five copies of the record in five different sections. Yeah. Right. So Michael Jackson was either a pop artist or an R and B artist and, you mm -hmm. know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think it's, you know, connected to the decline of record stores that now we have this fluidity of genres, right? Yeah. Cause you, you literally couldn't have that if you only had so much shelf space and mm -hmm. you, had, you needed one spot for each record. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, yeah, Pandora can say, yeah, it's this and this right in, in, in unique. In, and that's just created all kind of possibility, which creates confusion. And, you know, <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, but I think, oh, with the popularity of playlisting and like, you know, the true mixtape from right. back in the day, sure. um, would have an eclectic selection of stuff. And I think that energy is carried over to playlisting too where sure. um a lot of the popular brand forward playlists are going to have a diverse genre you know in, in them and they'll have multiple styles of music in them so if you're digging this one and, and you like that ohm records vibe let's go back in the rebel radio archives check out my interview one of my very first with marcus wyatt uh, another amazing DJ, and we had a really fun conversation right at the beginning of this uh, Rebel Radio journey close to six years ago. Um, you know, we were talking about how much music you have to, to select from. What, what do you do to clean your ears out? Um, <laughs> or, or is that something is that something you think about? Uh, yeah, I do it almost naturally. I don't even think of it that way, but I do it um, naturally. I listen to the radio a lot. Mm. Um, so not what I think people would typically think of the radio, but I listen to 
very specific stations like KCRW. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I listen to like three or four jazz radio stations, uh, KMHD in Portland. Mm. Um, there's a San Francisco station. Um, there's a couple other international stations, some radio stations in France. I listen to kind of global radio mm-hmm. um, to, first of all, just have somebody else to pick music for me that I can sure. discover. So. Yeah. You don't want to always be actively listening and DJing. You want to just like, hey, just play me music. Right. Um, and um, I grew up in an era where I'm intimately connected to this radio model where um, I need to feel like there's somebody on the other side, a human being on the other side transmitting music to me. Mm. And I'm listening to that music collectively with a group of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just a mindset of my age and era that I grew up. I don't know if sure. other people have those connections, but it's a much more intimate concept to me than a robot playing music directly to me. And this is, right. I'm the only one listening to it um, because when you're, when you're listening with a group of other people, together it has a communal effect and you mm-hmm. have this kind of communal concept subconsciously in your mind that oh there's this person somewhere in portland or los angeles or berlin or france paris france broadcasting to a huge group of people worldwide and myself and a mm-hmm. lot of other people like me are enjoying it together um so i'm stuck on that and that's that's what i do to clean my ears i listen to jazz and mm. and a lot of radio yeah no, that's so cool. And I, and I do think that's something special that, you know, we had, you know, I don't know that younger generations have as much of is that, you know, that communal sense, right? And, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I've talked about for me, when I f- first time, you know, w- I went to the Fresh Fest in, uh, in Oakland Coliseum when I was 14. Oh my God. Wow. Uh, yeah. And it, that was the first time, you know, like I knew breaking and hip hop was was big, but I saw thirty thousand kids, all in fat laces and you know, and, and you like wow, kangos and shit. Not just me. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like you, that was a moment for me where I was like, oh, it's not just me and my friends yeah. that you know have this thing, but there's a real thing out there. And then yeah. you know, versions of that when you travel to other countries and you you know, uh, whatever, right? And 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 I think um, there is something to be said for for that like communal experience, the way you said it. Yeah. Um, and I think we have that. I mean, I think that speaks to the rise of music festivals, right? That people want to be in it with with a bunch of other people having this mm-hmm. same experience at the same time. Yeah. And Twitch is the modern day equivalent of that. Like mm-hmm. you're in the chat and you see you see all these other people. Um, you know, listening to the same DJ or artist as you on Twitch. Yeah. And I honestly think those kids of the people that age have not experienced that feeling before. And they're Mm -hmm. so hyped on it. Like they're in the chat, they're like going and they're talking and the words community come up so much when people are talking about artists and Twitch. Interesting. um, That it's like, it's kind of like the modern day radio, but kids never listened to the radio because they didn't want to hear ads in top 40. And they, you know, it's what their parents did in their cars. And that certainly wasn't cool. I'd rather just listen on YouTube or Spotify. Um, So that community feeling that Twitch is giving the younger generation might be that kind of radio sense of communal radio or listening to a record in a record store with five or six digger buddies and everybody being like, Oh, you know Mm -hmm. let's go get that Mm -hmm. you know yeah um it's that communal listening energy so where do you go for that now as as a fan and as a creator right like you know i think about san francisco right so you know as you know i grew up there i grew up going to townsend dos club uh dva dna lounge (laughs) you know uh you know that was my era and then into like cream of beat and you know Mm -hmm. uh, right but um, Mr. Fives, obviously. Yeah. Um, my point was right. Um, that was a community. You'd see some of the same people every night, yeah. the same DJs, 
the same records, you know, there, again, there's this feeling that even if you didn't know everybody in the room, you were in it together and you had this shared, you know, uh, values and all that. Right. And, um, the city's changed in, in, you know, none of that I think still exists or, or not as a, Definitely not this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely not this year. For yeah. sure, right? But also, like, the world changed, right? And it's just, yeah. you know, we no longer have this exclusive club that, we that mm-hmm. like, we once belonged to. Um, yeah. So I guess my question is, you know, as a DJ, as a, as a producer, and as a fan, where do you find that sense of community now? Oh, man. Well, for me, I don't think... I don't think being in a group experience with people um, can ever be replaced. I think people are trying to find it online, but, and, you know, and Twitch and, and um, other ways, there's other ways of kind of experiencing that and everybody's doing zoom dance rooms and stuff, but Mm -hmm. it's interesting and it's cute, but I don't think it, it, it can't replace. Like if we were not in the middle of the pandemic It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what sticks around and continues to be um, popular or sure. or a place. You know, you might go check out stuff online, but I think that being feeling music, feeling frequencies, like f- feeling low end frequencies, there's a vibration, there's a change in matter and waveform that happen with low end frequencies, mm. and you're experiencing that with a group of people. You know, and and, and that energy, I don't think, can be replaced. Yeah, uh, digitally for the time being, who knows, you know, VR, all this other stuff that's popping up is, you know, someone can probably prove me wrong right now. But <laughs> um, I think that, you know, if sans pandemic, if, if it wasn't a pandemic right now, going to shows and live music venues at clubs and all over the place and all over the world um, is something that that that's where I connect with that community of music. Um, I made an, I always made an annual trek to um, Austin for South by Southwest. I've done that for 15 years straight, you know, um, except for this year. And that communal energy that happens there is huge. I go to um, Jazz Fest in New Orleans this year. The first, you know, as soon as I'm vaccinated and I can make a flight, I'll be in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. That's just it. And, And experiencing music with other people and and hopefully supporting all the musicians that um, that really suffered. I mean, everybody has suffered, but I think yeah. the musicians specifically and people in the food industry have sure, suffered sure. a lot. You absolutely. Know? So absolutely helping out those folks. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so I know you got this uh, remix out with mm-hmm. Ohm for the 25th anniversary of Ohm Records. Yeah. Those guys just, you know, surviving that long is a major accomplishment. Um, right. And staying relevant for that long, especially. Yeah. Uh, is really cool. So um, talk about that relationship, right? I, you know, it's, it's, uh, those relationships are not easy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, but you guys have had a, a long, you know, relationship together. So if you're talking to young artists coming up, um, w- what should they do to make that label or maybe you know if you're giving advice to a label you know Mm -hmm. either side what should they do to make those relationships work oh man well i think you know you've got to find almost like what we were talking about earlier finding that balance of business and artistry like you know you were you were talking about like don't be worried about making hits don't be so focused on the money but also you can't you can't just let an artist be free range. It's almost like raising kids. You want to create some safe boundaries, some boundaries to safety and some Mm -hmm. boundaries of like, no, you can't just eat that. You can't, you know, you can't just eat a piece of plastic. You got to, you know, have a boundaries, but you also give them the freedom to experience life and being an artist and develop um, on their own so that, so that they can really truly express themselves. And I think that's how people learn. Like, mm. um, you know, I was learning about um, an, 
like an ancient Hawaiian culture that was based on, you know, this is pre-colonialism and stuff. And they had, you know, the Hawaiians had certain times where they would, there were certain times that were defined for work and defined for play and defined for war. You know, it was like, this is when we're going to fight and battle. And this is Mm. when we're going to work. And this is when we're going to play and have fun. And you need to have that um, defined uh, energy of playfulness and the human mind needs to, to be able to experiment and try new things to discover new things. Otherwise, if it's all work, you're stuck in that sure. chasing the dollar. And yeah. if it's all play, you don't have any boundaries that'll get you to the next stage. So it's just finding that, that delicate life balance, you know? Yeah. And um, I think with, with music and business, there's always a push and a pull and a wave and it's to keep going a long time. Just the awareness of that will kind of help you get to the next phase. Just like, Oh, this is where we need to really just kind of crank and like, you know, get the spreadsheet looking right and make sure we're spending money wisely. And this is where we're going to go in and just spend a month in the studio, trying out new stuff and Mm -hmm. and experimenting. Um, And then, and then we know that when that's done, we'll get back to the business or when that's done, we'll get back to the creative side. Sure. Um, and, And being aware of both and not stuck in your own kind of rut, you know? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's good advice for sure. Um, okay, I got a quick lightning round for you before I let you get okay. back to uh, back to Hawaii. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite city to travel to? Well, I was just talking about New Orleans. That's mm. that's I think New Orleans for me. I mean, I love New York with my heart, and I love um, Austin because I have so many good friends in Austin, and I've had so many good musical experiences there. Um, but in New Orleans, there's nothing like it. Absolutely. And Absolutely. there's so much history. It's history, good and bad, um, sure. there. So sure. uh, especially if you get into music history at all, like, I mean, it's a birthplace of so yeah. much. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's great. Um, we went to Jazz Fest, I think, three years ago for the first time. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Life-changing. And it's, yeah. it's just like a whole different world, too. You end up in the, like, traditional jazz mm-hmm tent or the gospel tent we would mm-hmm. start and end our day with the gospel tent i'm not a huge gospel listener but i right. really enjoy it and feeling the way gospel was supposed to be in a group setting live like yeah i mean that's it. the like, that's, that's the place to see gospel we spent yeah. we spent about an hour in there yeah man. The days yeah. And, yeah that's for sure um yeah. who's your favorite dj oh now past all time oh man um you know I think probably shortcut um, wow. with Apo- Apollo being a close runner up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up watching those guys and learning from those guys and yeah. how, how they would juggle dance hall and hip hop and R and B and classics and breaks and house and everything together yeah. seamlessly. So quickly with skills and, and um, it was good. And I think shortcuts were, work ethic really just seeing how much he's done um up to this day from the beginning up to this day he's still cranking and he's still collecting and digging 45s and stream on twitch and Mm. traveling when it's safe and and uh, i think shortcut is just he's a he's like a swim a swiss army knife almost Mm -hmm. he just does everything so well yeah, I love that answer and and both of those guys obviously and and I appreciate. It. I mean, I look, I I appreciate anybody that gets up there and does, you know, gives it their best. I I do think, you know, turntablism to some extent, you know, it's become about the tricks more than the music. Yeah. Um and that's yeah. not to take anything like what what some of these young cats are doing, you know, is mm-hmm. unreal, right? And I'm I'm not yeah. I'm not uh shitting on them at all, but you know, with those guys, uh, it's the music first, right? And the tricks mm-hmm. become part of the show, but it's still it's still about the music first. Yeah, um, and I love and they that. could do both expertly. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Short could could sit there and scratch for hours and run a clinic. Yeah, and he does. He does that on Twitch sometimes. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I think yeah, it is both and the selection side, both being so tight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think it was Apollo. I interviewed the three of them one one time many years ago, and 
one of them said, you know, you're supposed to be able to watch a DJ with your eyes closed. And uh, I think that's Apollo, man. Yeah. It sounds like that. Yeah, um, I'll tell you a qu- quick Apollo story and yes. one of the reasons why. I used to watch uh, um, at school, which was a hip-hop party at the Kennel Club, which is now the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apollo would show up with a stack of records like this, right? This, like this. Put them in front of him without sleeves, just mm-hmm. a stack of vinyl. Mm-hmm. And he would grab, throw them on the turntable, drop, sometimes doubles, do his tricks, do his set, and like almost literally throw them behind him. And he was just like grabbing, grab, 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 grab. And this was obviously pre Serato. Yeah. But I used to watch that and be like, what a beast. Like, <laughs> what a beast he's doing that. And he wasn't chewing up things and he mm-hmm. wasn't paying attention. He wasn't looking at the, you know, he was looking and working, but mm-hmm. it was almost mm-hmm. like it was subliminal to him. Wow. And he wasn't, you know, <clears throat> finding all those places and it was seamless. And I was, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds like a, Apollo had almost like a militaristic tr- DJ training almost type. And that's like, you know, you'd always see him fitted in camo too. So he played sure. the part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What's the last great book you read or listened to? Oh, um, I'm ashamed to tell you the, the book I'm listening to now, but I'll just, for, I'll, I'll say it now. The, the book that I'm listening to right now is called, positive discipline for parents and okay uh, i i have uh i have two five-year-olds and um i am it's my first parenting Mm -hmm. uh trip Mm -hmm. and i'm really just trying to find a positive way of being like a cool dad but also keep things in line and uh and i think also just you know uh i don't want to be a no parent but Mm -hmm. i you know just finding finding ways to do it right. So, hey man, it, learning about parenting. <laughs> there is no shame in that. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, there's anybody who still buys into the myth that we know how to parent just automatically. Yeah. Like they're they're missing it. You know, my yep. son's yep. eleven. I read a lot of parenting books. Got some really good wisdom and you know things to try and uh-huh. all of that. And uh, no, I, I think that's that's definitely worth cool. it. And the last book I read is actually kind of on the Hawaii topic. Um, it's called The Legend of Ono, and mm. uh, it's it's a Hunter S. Thompson book. Oh, um, cool. Kind of, um, I don't want to give too much about it away, but it's it's it, it, it's deeply ingrained in like uh, classic Hawaiian culture myths, and also um, just kind of. What we we were talking about earlier, just about uh, colonialism and capitalism mixing with Hawaiian cultures and everything. It's kind of an interesting read. Um, I think it's kind of a rare uh, book by Hunter S. Thompson, but I got a copy and and had it, uh, and it's well worth the read. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, What movie do you think you've seen the most in your life? Uh, Who? I (laughs) feel. Coming to America, maybe just because they dropped part two, but that's definitely a movie, a movie that I've just seen so much. Uh, Star Wars, once it get, became available, like mm-hmm. definitely a lot of Star Wars, I think. But uh, coming to America throughout my lifetime, I think, has just been on, on repeat. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, who's someone you haven't met, but you've learned a lot from? Ooh. Um uh it's weird my brain is going in so many circles but i think i'm going to pick the music world for it um and i'm just going to say recently now well shit i have met him i was going to say decap as a producer is doing a really good job of um of sharing his knowledge through social media and video but i've met decap so i'll say the runner-up right now would be kenny beats Okay. Um, he's been running these Twitch and video like series in a studio. And Mm -hmm. as a, as a producer, I'm always just, I want to keep up with what's new, what's hot, what people are working on. So I've learned a lot of things like how, you know, Ableton tricks to, um, his big 
thing and it's one thing that I take to heart and probably the most important thing I learned from him here from him is don't overthink it mm. like um, just stop overthinking things because uh, if you just let your brain kind of take you away and start thinking about things too much you lo- lose that natural ability to get in touch with you know yourself and what you're doing yeah that's cool so don't overthink that. shit yeah <laughs> Nice. Kenny Beats. God um, bless the Kenny Beats Twitch feed. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So if I worked for you or we worked together, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Oh, Ooh. Pro- oh that's a good one. Um, Hella? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody called me out of saying that too much. but uh, Is that right? Uh, yeah. I don't know. If we were working on a project. I mean, I think you're supposed um, to say that. I just, you know... I, the only thing yeah. is like down here, you meet somebody else from the Bay and then they want to throw Hella in the next sentence. Yeah. Just to yeah. show you that. You know. um, oh man, that's a good question. I have no idea. You stumped me on that one. <laughs> that's okay. I think, I think let's try that would probably mm. be things. Cause I'm into just trying things a lot. So yeah. if we're working on something like, let's try that and see what happens. Yeah. That's what you would, I say that a lot. Let's try that and see what happens. Nice. If it works, it works. It doesn't, we try something next. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. It gives you the freedom to experiment and... Flexibility. Uh, I'm not committed to very yeah. one specific thing. So Nice. Yeah. So what are, you, what are you working on next? What are you most excited about? What's going on with Hydro? What's, uh-huh. what's next for Jay Boogie? Um, so Hydro, I've been doing these uh, weekly DJ mixes. Uh, they do live dj rose on saturday and if you're not familiar with hydro it's basically like a um if peloton was a rowing machine mm-hmm. it's kind of what i usually tell people it's a really high-end indoor rower with a big beautiful video touch screen and and somewhere in miami or boston or somewhere else there's a crew of olympic trained athletes filming a video on the water and you're rowing with them and what i'm doing is curating the soundtrack that they'll be rowing to are you, are so, you rowing at home no, no, <laughs> no. Um, I know I'm programming the playlist. No, no, I mean, like, oh, se- separate to that. Are you, have you started? Uh, rowing? Separate, oh, no, not no. Really. Okay. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm swimming and surfing as much as I can. So, um, yeah. but I, I'd like to be, um, I don't have, they're very expensive. Yeah. So, um, and you got to have room in your place and probably not two five-year-olds at, the, at yeah, this time. Yeah, I think sure. you would take that out. But, uh, but so I'm putting together DJ mixes for them and other genre focused mi- music playlists and mixes mm. uh, for that, you know, um, and it's geared towards a wider audience. So it's more like programming radio for the general public. Sure. It's not like the hottest, latest, new, whatever I'm into that's come out. Of course. Uh, you put yourself on the shelf and you're programming for people's workouts. So you need to make that. It's a lot of dance music, a lot of hip hop, a lot of pop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, for myself, uh, I'm doing Dubtronic Radio once a month, which is an online radio show that I'm posting on my Mixcloud and SoundCloud. And then I'm doing a, um, a radio program on KPFA in Berkeley, um, which is sent around on uh, new global remix music. So music from Africa, Afrobeats, I'm a oh, piano, cool. uh, cumbia, uh, Latin and Brazilian remixes, basically any kind of remixy globally and influenced music it's a mix that i work with uh Juan G on and he's kind of like the bay area i call him the king of afrobeat i don't know if he would like that title but he, he he's the he's the afrobeat almo piano guy in the bay area and he does nice. a great job so being a partner with him i learned tons and he actually relocated to ghana temporarily mm. um so so we're we're putting together the show in in uh, Hawaii and Ghana and shipping it into the Berkeley station to be broadcast in the entire Bay area, Fresno and Santa Cruz, which is kind of interesting. So um, that is the other radio show. And then I'm working on new music uh, for myself and remixes for other people. And I'd like to eventually kind of have another release with Ohm and do new projects and new collaborations with artists Nice. Um, even here in Hawaii, I'm learning a lot about traditional Hawaiian music. So how can I flip that into something j like without it sounding corny? <laughs> you know, I mean, you're the guy to figure that out. 
Yeah, right. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dope, man. That's exciting. Well, dude, I appreciate you uh, talking with me. It's so much, so many good stories. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having having me on and, and uh, taking the time to hang out. Yeah, anytime. Um, we have to do it in person one of these days. I'm game. Well, next time you come home and I come home and For things sure. are safe, everybody gets a shot. We'll hang out in San Francisco and we'll we'll see the new city. That's what's up. Yeah. Um, cool. how, how should everybody find you online? Uh, jboogie.com is my website. Cool. And, um, and you can find all my socials there. All, most of my socials are jboogiejustin mm-hmm. or jboogiedubtronic. And uh, yeah, my radio shows all get posted to Mixcloud and soundcloud so mixcloud slash jboogie soundcloud slash jboogie and uh yeah just holler uh dm me and say what's up and uh, i'll send you the late newest latest right on man appreciate you yeah man thank you and that was jboogie on rebel radio i hope you enjoyed it i know i did uh, make sure you go check out the Ohm Records 25th anniversary compilation. Support that label that's been doing great things uh, for now two and a half decades um, and not stopping. Let us know what you thought about this one. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you like. We're at Rebel Radio Net. We have videos of a lot of our episodes on our YouTube channel. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace. Hey, join me over on the Stereo app. For live conversations, I'm talking to a lot of the people that have been on this show. We're digging into uh, useful tools and ideas that you can use in your business, in your career right away. Stereo.com slash Rebel Radio Net.